pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. Okay, let me ask you this, Keith. Uh, on the scale of clean versus crude humor, where where does your humor index fall? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, depends on the th like. I can I love a good clean comic because I think that's hard to do. But I would say I would give myself about a seven or eight. Like I I can if done right, like a good dirty joke can go a long way with me. Right, it's how you do it, right? It's not enough to yeah. just be dirty. You have to maybe catch the delivery by surprise, right? It's how you work it in. You know, one of my favorite comics of all time is George Carlin, and I think he would describe his use of expletives as spices he would put in a stew. So he, yes, right. He was such a great writer, and it's not as if he was just throwing around expletives uh, carelessly. Yeah, he was very thoughtful and deliberate about it. Uh, but I bring this up because you know. It, on all the shows we've been talking about in the 2000s sitcoms world, there definitely seems to be more of a yeah, popularity with cruder humor. Yeah, we saw that maybe in Malcolm in the Middle, not the crudest, but maybe like, you know, kind of more in that direction. But then some of the other shows we talked about, like Two and a Half Men, somewhat more on the cleaner side. You know, even though a lot of subject matter has to do with sex, you know, a lot of the jokes are a little more clean, right? A little safer, traditional. You know, you. Always, I always think of the Seinfeld episode. There's clever ways to get around it, and you make a classic episode. But sometimes, like, yeah, you're the standards and practices is kind of holding you back from really going there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when it comes to broadcast, uh, that was always a limitation with what you can or can't do. There's the uh, the freaking FCC, as Family Guy calls them, that really limits a lot of what you can do. And of course, all these networks have their censors. But, uh, you know, with cable networks like FX, there's definitely a lot more that you can get away with. And so that's why I think the sitcom we're talking about today is very emblematic of the far side of the scale uh, towards the cruder side. And that is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, it's such a funny contrast compared to doing Two and a Half Men, the very traditional, safe broadcast sitcom last week, high production value, to now this more indie-looking, rough, grimy world that we're entering with the gang of It's Always Sunny. And I, I really like that. It, it, this is a world that, you know, you just kind of feel a little dirty yourself when you're watching. You watch enough episodes, you might feel like you need to take a shower or something after. Oh, you know what? I... I when you said uh, we were doing Always Sunny, I love this show, but I was thinking about all my criticisms that I had for Two and a Half Men. Like, oh man, it ran on too long. It like none of the characters really developed, and I'm and you know I started thinking, I'm like, oh no, that's kind of what's going on with Always Sunny. But why? And, uh, but I started as I started watching the pilot, I started asking myself, it works for Always Sunny, and we'll get into it. But it's so – I think it's because it's on the opposite end of the sitcom spectrum 
and on a network that was up and coming and like it took a lot of chance took a lot of swings and a lot of like i get grand slams like not even like hits like grand slams yeah i think part of the reason why it works so well for it's always sunny in terms of its longevity is because of how willing they are to just break all the rules of traditional tv comedies just really doing a lot of things and touching up on some subject matters that can be uncomfortable and also having the characters take part in very despicable behavior. But it's one of those things where the characters are objectively bad people, but it's still palatable as an audience member to watch them. And it's, it's funny to watch them get into these crazy situations and yeah, you know, you're laughing at the characters, which I think is important. And it's one of those distinctions too, where just because a character can be offensive doesn't mean the show itself is being offensive. It, it's kind of just portraying these very offensive people, but they always get their comeuppance, which is why I think it works. They, yeah, their their behavior usually comes back and they pay a price for it. No, I think we there's a part of us that kind of wants them to go to the edge because they are despicable people. Like they're kind of it's like they're they're all a bunch of daffy ducks in in a way. Like we're not uh, we're not rooting for them, but they do have like. Like I feel like any moments of humanity is quickly diminished by the next scene or something like that. Well, they're all very quick to turn on each other. They they have no loyalty, really. They have no scruples about trying to accomplish whatever crazy mission that they're on. So it's it's funny, and in a way, it's almost like a fantasy of, you know, what is a really deprived sort of thing a character could do that you could never actually get away with in the real world but of course, in a sitcom world where you sort of reset at the beginning of each episode, you can sort of explore territory there that is impossible in reality. It does have essence. Like I, this show was sold to me, and I remember a friend in high school was like, "Have you seen this show called Always Sunny?" And it was definitely in the second season because I remember seeing the. That's when I started seeing the commercials for it, and they were they made a big deal about when Danny DeVito joined the cast. But uh, it was always sold like. It's Seinfeld on crack. And I was thinking Seinfeld had the luxury or Seinfeld was on like a network television, 24 episodes a season. Seinfeld does have that like all these characters are kind of awful. It could have gone as long as it like if Seinfeld was like maybe what, what eight to 10, 12 episodes a season. Seinfeld could have still been running today in some way. <laughs> like, well, they definitely could have run for much longer than the nine seasons. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think I might have mentioned this in the episode we talked about Seinfeld, but Jerry Seinfeld was offered something like $10 million an episode to do a 10th season, which he turned down. So who knows if he had accepted that and it goes on and on for however, however many more seasons. I, I doubt it would still be going on today, but it probably would have maybe run for 15 seasons. Who knows? Well, it definitely uh, – Larry David took that and just like – turned it into curb and it kind of just shows like the like we're, this is now the longest running live action sitcom and these guys need to be commended for that because i feel like every once in a while i'll have like you know I, i'll tune in every so often like i it's it's hard to keep track of everything but you know i'll see people say like it's like oh my god this season's still as good they're still going strong in a lot of ways well that's really good to see and they have such great chemistry with each other. You know, I I have to admit, I've sort of, um, not that I've fallen off, I just haven't kept up with maybe the last four or five seasons. For me, I think I 
had always been aware of the show, but never really got into it until maybe, I don't know, in between like seasons 10 or 11 or something. And then I caught up and binged it all on Hulu and, and I loved it. It took a little warming up for me. I think it's one of those shows where initially you're a little put off, but it, it slowly grows on you to the point where you rewatch the episodes over and over again, which is what I do. I have some of my favorites and you, you grow to maybe not love the characters, but you grow to really laugh at a lot of their personality flaws. Like some of the recurring gags are so funny. Some of their, uh, you know, their eccentric behaviors that anytime it pops up in the most inconvenient time, you know, like that's, that's when the show is funniest. It, this show has like, a, also, the side characters have become, in a lot of ways, just as famous as the our, our gang. Uh, I think whatever the situation is, like, they, like, you know, they, they've tackled, like, gassing prices, North Korea, abortion, gay marriage, uh, prison. Like, they, they handle it, like, in such a... A depraved way but I, it, like it's funny because I, I like we've seen these characters i guess their growth is they're just growing into like charlie just gets increasingly increasingly more stupid like <laughs> the more drugs he breeds in yeah frank is losing his mind as well you can tell how crazy frank is by how crazy his hair is right there's a progression there where it gets more more wild as time goes on you know dennis getting more and more of a sociopath. Yeah, D getting more angry over time. And so you see those characteristics and you know, maybe it's not necessarily a flanderization. It's sort of like these personality traits they they dive deeper into and just um you know, explore what you can do with these very unworldly characters. You know, you would hope you'd never run into this gang in real life. You know, people like the these characters because in the show anyone who does usually it doesn't end well for them look at rickety cricket for this you know, textbook example there uh, another reason why like people just the fan base just continues to stay with them after i think 16 seasons already uh we love the actors the actors have grown into like full f like look at each of their careers like charlie is uh, like a reliable he, he's luigi <laughs> yeah yeah that's right i mean i think you know i think uh charlie day has definitely broken out into 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 movies we see him in a lot of uh funny movies like um like i don't know uh horrible bosses something like that he, he's definitely broken out into film we've seen rob mcelhaney he has a soccer team with ryan reynolds yeah yeah and then you know glenn howard i see appear on lots of different shows uh, you know, Kate Olsen uh, has had her own show. And of course, you know, Danny DeVito has been around forever. A so. whole new generation knows who Danny DeVito is. Like, it's... Right. That's a good point. And it's it's so funny because you know, Danny DeVito has always been this big movie star. And so for him to be in this TV show, especially in the in the earlier years when it definitely looked more lower budget and off the cuff. Yeah, it's it's like a, a total 180 in terms of the the scale of production he's working with but he fits in so well to this this universe although as we'll know he he unfortunately is not in this pilot episode he gets introduced in season two and we'll get a little into why that is so quick little um history here on the it's always sunny pilot 
So uh, this pilot aired on August 4th, 2005 on FX to 1.4 million viewers, which, you know, for FX, which was on the rise at the time, I don't think that's too bad. Although I think for the rest of the first season, those numbers kind of dropped, which maybe goes to show how people first took to the, the premiere episode. And good on FX for, like, they saw the potential that this show had. Good on them for not, like, I mean, imagine if they did cancel it. Oh, I know. It'd be a whole new world out there. Oh, man, we would be robbed of so much great content for for now going on, uh, you know, 18 years. But, uh, you know, so the the core three, I guess you could say, Glenn Howard and Charlie Day, Rob McElhaney, they met while they were auditioning for a lot of the same projects in New York and L.A. So, like, like, um... I think I read like Tuck Everlasting. They had all been uh, auditioning for randomly <laughs> That's enough. That's so funny, right? Uh, this is very like romantic adaptation of a novel or um, that '80s show, right? Glenn Howard was in the very short-lived that '80s show. Charlie Day had been the audition process for that. So you know they were all working actors, just trying to you know make it. And in the meantime, you know Charlie Day had been making a lot of home movies with actor friends who would also go, uh, who would go on to be in the show in in a lot of memorable parts. And then uh, while well, Haney had been a lot, writing a lot of scripts that weren't getting picked up, so he was just shooting them a lot himself. So they were doing a lot of these home projects, kind of just experimenting around with their own sense of style and really discovering for themselves how to, you know, the, the process of making a movie, you know, um, the whole technical part of it, and also developing their own style. So in terms of the actual specific premise, you know, this definitely was something that was developed over time in a few different phases. I mean, you know, the the initial sort of uh, seed for this was a short film in which uh, a couple of friends are maybe a, a little awkward around each other when one tells the other that they have cancer. And to derive humor from such a dark subject is, uh, I think, a recurring theme for the series. And another reason why it's it's so unique because yeah, they, they just mind humor out of things that you don't think there would be. If I remember, I remember, I'm sure it's on YouTube, but I remember the, I had like the f- first, second, you know, a lot of uh, these kind of shows combined the first two seasons into a DVD and they had that uh, short and it, it basically, you know, Charlie's like, hey guys, and I, I think Dennis is like, hey, can I borrow some sugar? He's like, I have cancer. Yeah, but where's your sugar? Like that's like you got the dark humor and the apathy. That's such a big part of especially the uh, uh, Dennis character that Glenn Howard in plays is this sort of indifference and inability to really connect to a normal human emotional reaction. It's um, it's very jarring in the show, but it's always funny, right? Because eventually you expect that from the character, and it it still works even when um, you know, like again, like you, you just grow to really get a kick out of these very odd behaviors and antisocial personalities. So, yeah, as th- that that short film developed into a series of short films, and, you know, eventually the, the three of them decided that, you know, this could make a good series. And so they, they made their own pilot. It's an unaired pilot that they just filmed in their own apartments and uh, with a digital camcorder. It was... I think they spent uh, $200 that they don't even know where they got $200 from. And they, they shopped that around on a DVD. And, you know, the FX executives saw it. They liked it. But, you know, they wanted to change the premise because the initial premise is something that was a little familiar or, or already. So it would have been 
out of work actors in LA getting up to shenanigans, but you know, maybe um, what's a show that comes to mind like that uh, on HBO um, uh, entourage, right? Isn't that sort of similar to that show? Like, you know, like actors trying to make it in the LA scene. And so, yeah, they, they were asking Michael Haney, like, you know, maybe change, change the setting, change a little bit, fine tune this. And so that's where he got the idea, Michael Haney to change the setting to Philly, which was his hometown. And the setting, more specifically, the premise to friends working in a bar. Because if you think about it, you know, his, his logic was people who work in a bar have a lot of spare time. You know where their income is coming in. But now they have all this, all this time to get into these crazy situations and schemes. And, uh, yeah, that's basically the crux of the show there. Because you always get a sense, too, okay, this is, their, this is their income. It's not like they're rich, but it's enough to sustain a very basic – a young person's lifestyle in the city of Philadelphia. I'm so happy they took this note. I feel like uh, companies, especially now, like I think uh, networks like HBO and FX, like they have uh, executives who really care about the content that they're putting on and their notes only can improve. Like I do, I like John Landgraf who was at, I don't know if he's still at at FX. I think he is, but it was his idea to add Danny DeVito. Like he loved the show, and he and he's like, I'm I'm sure it was probably his idea to like keep it in like make it more middle lower class. Um, because yeah, no, I I don't think this show would have been, uh, like I don't think the characters would have gone to the places that they have if they were struggling actors. Well, because the thing is, I think Philly is a little more of a of a working class city, at least in the area that this show takes place in. Number one, number two, yeah, I think L.A. would be maybe too glamorous of a setting to get into these sort of grimy stories and schemes that would really become the signature of the show. And it's also a little more personal. You have know, is from Philadelphia, then he might be able to make that city into more of a character itself, which I think he does. And, you know, Philadelphia, I don't think is the most common setting for a show. I'm, I'm sure if you look it up, there's several other TV shows that take place in Philadelphia, but you know, it's a good break from the more common settings of New York city and Los Angeles. Oh, I also, the, the one fun fact that I liked was, I think it was originally going to be called it's always sunny on TV. Um, based on the aha song, like it's always, the sun always shines on TV and there and yeah, I guess when they moved to Philly, it just kind of like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh God. It rolls off the tongue. It does. But then it's also kind of tongue in cheek, right? Because they don't really portray Philly in the most sunshine sort of light. I think there's a lot of episodes where the characters are just enduring very uh, seedy type characters or crowds Right, like there's an episode where they they go to a public swimming pool, but everyone's wearing sneakers because it's broken glass. Or you know, I think there's an episode where Dee's on the bus and a guy just like throws up right on her. Like they're basically showing a um not the most appealing portrayal of Philadelphia. But I I, I don't from what I sense, I don't think Philadelphians really mind. I think that's something they kind of wear as a, a badge of honor in a way. You know, maybe not the it's like a tough city really to to get by in. I wouldn't be surprised if there's statues 
in the future of these guys. Like, if Rocky gets a statue, I think... It's funny you mentioned that, and I was just thinking of Rocky's probably the the most iconic franchise uh, in media take place in Philly, and that first Rocky movie also doesn't um, portray, like, the cleanest, shiniest version of the city either. Uh, now, the other, the other cast I wanted to touch on besides San DeVito was that of uh, Caitlin Olsen playing Sweet D Reynolds. That part was originally played by actress Jordan Reed, who was going out with Mel Kalini at the time. They were developing this, but they broke up. And so Caitlin Olsen then got the part. And funny enough, as we all know now, uh, Caitlin Olsen and uh, Mel would get together. So kind of uh, funny that maybe that's a part that Mel would be connected to romantically from a couple of the actors who were tied to it. I think that's another reason why we love these guys. Like, it, like it, like we know where their hearts are at. We know that they're like they have their own podcast. At least uh, Charlie, Rob, and Dennis have their podcast where they go over the show, and they just seem yeah. incredibly humble by the experience of it all. Like they did. Like I remember when uh, uh, Nightman, the Nightman cometh. That, yeah. that, that's probably one of the biggest episodes uh but they took that on tour and people went i think we know some of like that came out when i think when we were in college i think but I 2008 know 2007 2008 i think it was the season four finale i want to say but you know of course that and so much of the show is built on humor from previous episodes right because the song nightman is is like a i don't know that derives in like a season three episode where like all the guys are trying to become rock stars, and so they write that song, and the fans really like the song, so then they they elevate it into that musical episode, and then of course that gets elevated even more into this tour. So it's kind of funny how over time, maybe something that might seem like a one-off gag sort of grows into a, a phenomenon for the culture of the fan base. I think that's the secret to a show like this, because I, I was having a conversation with uh, some older coworkers, and they were talking about the power that um, All in the Family had. Now, Archie Bunker kind of laid the way for all these kind of characters. Like, Grant, Archie's not that bad. He just ha he was not politically correct. But in a way, Norman Lear really made that into kind of a progressive show at the time. Like, people tuned in. It talked about topics that America really wasn't talking about or seeing on television. And at That's least, a very good point. And at least with the, these guys... Granted, they they we talk about all the topics, but we know we know where their hearts at. They're not bad people. Like they're it, and it allows those characters that we're laughing at, and we know that they're smug or like they're just dirt characters. It allows it's kind of like allowing the id to, you know, they can say things, and we yeah, can I mean, laugh knowing that these are like they're gonna get their comeuppance. Exactly. Id is a good way to put it. They're all characters that oh, definitely yeah. let the id overtake their ego and super ego to you know, like they don't even exist. They all, all of them. They only have the id. That's all they have. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. So you know, as you noted too, uh, it it was uh you know, the the FX heads that uh, suggested bringing in Danny DeVito for season two because yeah, you know, the season one episodes weren't getting the the viewership that the network had wanted, even though it was a modest show. And yeah, you know, Danny DeVito had that re name recognition. The yeah, you know, the guys like Rob McElhaney was initially opposed to this idea, but uh, you know when when given the choice between bringing in DeVito or canceling the show, yeah, you know, they they brought in DeVito, which I think is also very perfect for even like 
the the characters, right? Like they're very quick to abandon their convictions when it comes to like um you know more practical choice. Not to say Mechlin doesn't have convictions, but you know what I mean. It's like I can see the characters getting to a similar situation where it's like there's no way we're gonna do this, and then immediately caving when uh, presented with a much worse alternative. I'm sure it's scary. Like you know, it, it you, know, you put out this show and it's not getting you know right away. It's not getting the exact reaction. I think people, I think critics were very fond of the, or they think, you know, it was well received at first, but people weren't watching because people, no one outside of the shield FX really didn't get going until around this time, like 2005, 2006, even a little later, right? Because when did shows like sons of anarchy and nip tuck, when did those shows late 2000? Oh, nip tuck, I would say like around this time, but I, Nip Tuck was, kind of felt like it, it wasn't a show I was watching at the time, but I like it was a show that like you had to like you had to had a key for like who watched like FX is on like those you know how far back on the channel changer do I have to go? Well, also I think a lot of these networks like FX, AMC, I think that some of these networks that would go on to be known for prestige cable programming in those mid two thousands years had up to that point relied more heavily on syndicated programming. So I think people weren't fully aware yet that they were starting to get their own original programming, like little shows here and there, not a full schedule. But I think by you know maybe 2010, people had caught on, and then you know of course by then you had all these mega cable shows. But uh, they were you could say that Always Sunny is part of that earlier wave. Oh, hundred percent. But I would say that John uh, that Rob McElhenney was probably just like. Oh man, we're gonna get at Danny DeVito. No offense, Dan- I don't want. Him. He's gonna be the star of the show, and like it's just, yeah, like, you're, yeah. You're that's probably, like year. this is not how I envisioned the show. And no, Danny, they like as uh, as Dennis and Dee's stepfather, who is slowly losing his mind over the course of sixteen seasons, and he just becomes like he, he's more of a wild card than Charlie. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely <laughs> an agent of chaos, right? I mean, so often. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, he's, like he's he has a this, gun uh, on him at all times. Like, it's Yeah. Just... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's definitely a loose cannon and a character that complicates a lot of the episodes for the other characters. And then also there's times where maybe he serves as the proxy for the audience, like in um, Charlie McDennis, right? Like when they explain the rules, like he's, you know, it's good also sometimes to have that new person because these characters, they know each other so well. Sometimes as an audience member, you have to catch up, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, it's it's at a point now where Frank is so integral to the gang that it's oh, yeah. a little weird to watch the first few episodes when he's not in there yet. It's, I will say, it's they they're all babies. They like and they're they're all young looking and they really are. And yeah. you know how we always say with some pilots, like oh the the seed is there, like. This is at least like a fully formed like this show is this pilot is bold. Like I agree. <laughs> like I, it's, it's so bold and the characters are nowhere near to who they are now but they're they have a great dynamic. They're still assholes but it's like what an introduction. It really is and I agree like the characters it's kind of like as the show goes on, you turn up the volume on the characters more and more. And right now the volume is sort of on low, even though you still have some things that you would recognize later on. But like, I think as we get into it, I feel like Dennis is the character we get to know the most as to who he is 
for the rest of the series. Uh, and yeah, there's other key things that they establish here, but you're right. I think yeah, as, as by the time you get to seasons eight or nine, like the volume's at max, but they still manage to, to break the volume dial and keep going on from there. So, it's um, just, uh, chip, it's like, I, you know, I, I'm the pilot is like the first piece of the puzzle. And then with each episode, you keep putting more of the puzzle. And then, you know, by season eight, nine, you take a step back a little and go like, oh, yeah, Dennis is kind of a sociopath. Charlie can't read. Uh, Mac is gay. Yeah, and that's something that I don't think they knew about the character when they first started, right? I think that was something that would come into play maybe a little more in seasons like three or four, starting with his obsession with the Dennis character. But, uh, I, yeah, that's that's something that they would uh, very slowly dig into over time as well until the character eventually comes out of the closet much later on. There's a lot of like hints of what could be like there's there's no hints of him being gay, ironically, in this episode. But I love there's a line where she goes like, yeah, you are an asshole. Like no one like like Mac would not have any other friends. Yeah, no. (laughs) And I think also the delivery is something that, uh, you know, we'll get into certain line readings, uh, I think, are pretty much in line with the rest of the series, too. So. Yeah, I'm grateful that the show is still running now, but it's it's time to start the beginning once again. So here we are. It is August 4th, 2005. FX is on. So Keith, you can now take us to the pilot. So we open up, we get that classic, uh, you know, it's like a Thursday at whatever time in a pub, right? A lot of episodes. 1245 a.m. Right, right. Uh, so every every episode kind of starts with like a day of the week in the time, which is funny. And uh, we have, you know, the guys, Dennis, Charlie and Mac kind of talking about at the bar, like, you know, having to make payments, you know, kind of just talking about uh, the business of the bar. When Dee comes in, she says she's bringing in her uh, acting partner someone from her acting class to meet the guys and uh for some reason to their surprise they're, they're you know in walks this guy terrell they're very surprised that this character is black and they're they're very uncomfortable around this guy so it's it's kind of an awkward scene this is the very first scene yeah of this series and we're getting this uh you know this this very like dicey sort of uh, encounter where even like Mac is making an offensive comment, right? Because uh, he's saying like, "Oh no, we we have uh, we have black friends. You might know some of them." And Terrell doesn't take that too well. He goes, "Oh yeah, right, because we're all related." So they're Mac's the worst offender. He is. He this. is, and it, it, they're they're immediately off to a bad start here. Uh, but you know that's that's just the beginning here. It's only going to get worse. So that we now have our title card. You know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And the name of the episode, the gang gets racist. And that's bold, very bold for a first episode name. But uh, you know, race is not the only subject matter too in this in this first episode. We're really diving into the deep end here right away. Guess you guys don't have too many brothers walking through here. No. Oh no, no, no there's plenty of brothers. Yeah, there's plenty. plenty. Yeah. Yeah. African, African, African American, African American, African American. Yeah. Yeah. You might know some of them. Yeah, we're probably related. 
No, 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 no. I don't you think he was implying that you guys are all related. It's just ridiculous. You know what? Sweet well, D came in here just a second ago. And right. She started talking about acting class. And right. uh, you know, we weren't expecting yeah, you. We, 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 we weren't expecting, expecting you to be black. So, yeah, in the next scene here, it's it's still in the bar. Everyone's sitting around a table. And Terrell, basically, he's brought in as a promoter to help bring in more business to the pub. And he's telling, basically, different stories of what he's done for prior bars. And you know some some of the guys are maybe not sure how to you know interpret the way he's speaking. They're not quite used to it, right? Like Mac is a little confused when Terrell mentions, "Oh, I have a sister at Temple University," and uh, Mac is like, "Now, when you say sister, do you mean your actual sister?" Or and Terrell's like, "No, my my sister. I mean my sister." <laughs> Again, like not not really off to a great start here. But you're and, like you're just it's it's that cr it's definitely cringe up to like a like I don't know it I'm laughing already just because like Matt like yeah me too uh by the way do we do you recognize Terrell he does look familiar I think he's one of these actors that's just been in a ton of things but yeah no I, I was shocked to see uh the boys he plays uh one of the ad men. Um, oh okay or yeah. like and he, malcolm barrett he's been in a bunch of stuff uh but he works for like vaught with uh like the pr i think he get like he's in that like uh that like that like aa group or something like or a superhero injury group um but yeah i've seen him in preacher and like you know i'm i was shocked i had i was shocked that this like i knew what the first episode was about but i was like oh i actually recognize this guy yeah, yeah, I did too. Definitely a familiar face, and you know, he's been like a bunch of like Law and Orders, and he's he's even starred in a few series that have run for a few seasons. So definitely, um, you know, an experienced TV actor for sure. So another another way to wrap up this scene, though, this is interesting. So Terrell is talking about this story of a guy he confronted at a bar, a guy who stared him down, and he goes up to the guy, and in the story, he's saying. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm going to tear your ass up is what he tells the guy. And the guy like says, OK. And he's like telling how yeah, we went to the into the alley and I tore his ass up. That's that's the story. And, you know, everyone's kind of assuming he means he beat the guy up. And Dennis is maybe maybe a little unsure, actually, if that's what he really means. If he maybe meant something a little more intimate than that. Right. That's that's the look on Dennis's face is so funny. He's like the only one kind of catching on. Like, wait a minute. Is this guy talking about something else? Well, he gives Dennis that look to, like uh, like a linger. He definitely has maybe eyes for Dennis in a few of these episodes, uh, a few of these scenes early on. But um, yeah, the next scene, it's the next day. The guys are walking to a coffee shop where the waitress works. We learn that Charlie is obsessed with this waitress. And that's so key. To the whole series here is this this unhealthy relationship that Charlie has, this one-sided affection that he has for this this poor waitress that he just with his to... actual wife. Yes, in real life would wind up being his wife. How funny is that too? There's a couple of things like that, right? It's like McElhaney and Olsen are married, uh, or they they were together, and um, you know on the show he, he's they're very verbally abusive to each other. So you, like some of these characters, you would never guess that they're together in real life. Um, but you know, they're, the guys are debating whether or not they want to hire Terrell, but, uh, yeah, ultimately they're like, okay, well, maybe we want, you know, we want to bring in more girls. So they're optimistic that he can do that. But, uh, during this conversation, Charlie quotes Terrell, you know, we're a bit more verbatim than he should, 
including using the n-word which the waitress happens to overhear so you know that uh, obviously is not a good look for him and charlie's going to try to redeem himself for the waitress for that blunder that's a, like that goes back to like i know bold like it's just like oh my god this like you're definitely getting a sense of the kind of show that this is and it's like it's it's not the gang's getting racist but i wouldn't say the show's racist because you know charlie's just like quoting and the joke is that she hears him out of context right right and this is oh this was also a joke once on curb your enthusiasm where larry overhears a guy going on a racist tirade and when he retells the story again he's too verbatim like just say the guy said the n-word don't actually say it yourself because again someone listening who doesn't realize you're quoting is just going to assume that you're being racist but you know it, it works for these cringy subject matters and in, in, in these different shows uh so again at the end of this conversation though they agree to hire terrell and so um but meanwhile the next scene here mac and charlie they're walking to temple university because you know they're 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 on a mission here a very misguided mission to make more black friends because now you know between mac offending terrell and charlie looking bad in front of the waitress i think they want to maybe uh come across as maybe a little more having a little more diverse group of friends here so this is like such an awkward scene too because like mac goes in to this i guess it's like um this domino hall like all these guys are playing dominoes and i just got such a kick out of this like these two guys are playing and kind of trash talking each other and mac just goes right up to them and just says like absolutely and just like very awkwardly tries to insert himself into a conversation and that doesn't really go well um charlie fits right in charlie does well it's because you know this this um he's not trying too hard i guess like mac is is just very uncomfortable he doesn't know what to do charlie's just kind of there and uh he gets roped in, into playing dominoes as well and he kind of impresses a bunch of the students there including one named janelle who gives charlie her number but you know charlie isn't really interested at first he kind of tosses the number and mac is like what's your problem she's beautiful and uh we yeah, Mac very uh, smartly deduces that you know, Charlie is not going to be interested in any other woman because of his obsession with the waitress, right? Like that's really going to prevent him from wanting to go out with anyone else. And uh, to prove his point, you know, he, he wrestles Charlie, kind of makes a scene in front of the rest of the students there and pulls out his wallet and finds a, a picture of the waitress. So the only way that Charlie will agree to, to call Janelle is – if Mac threatens to to rip that picture up, so he agrees, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of like awkward too, right? All these students are staring at them like they're crazy, because because they are obviously, but they definitely will um, overreact and take things way too far in situations like this. It's kind of funny seeing like who Charlie ends up becoming, but like right now he's just like, oh, Charlie's probably the at this point the most likable. And, and probably still is like he like I like he's just a, a I think stupid, he's a moron. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he has maybe like uh, the least malicious intentions. Usually, yeah. It depends. I think sometimes when the waitress is involved, he does get way more ruthless. Well, I was about to say his his giant flaw is his obsession, like stalker. Right. Yeah. He stalks her, and he will rip up other people to shreds who get in his way. Right. Uh, but usually. He's maybe one that has a little more of a moral compass, certainly more than, say, Dennis or Mac. And God bless Charlie Day for having 
that kind of voice because that also sells like him yelling and screeching like it's but that's not everyone's cup of tea i mean i i I really like this show and the show has a very strong fan base but you know it does have some detractors of course but some of the people i talked to who don't like this show cite charlie's voice that he is always screaming and it's this high pitch that it's maybe a little more acquired right that maybe not everyone has such a tolerance for that i that's how he talks i mean like hey that's fair but i was definitely when i heard the casting for the mario movie and they said luigi is charlie day i'm like that fits i could like luigi's mansion with charlie day yeah sure sure i guess that does work and to be fair he i saw the mario movie the mario brothers movie and he's not doing his normal voice that he does on the show he's he's definitely doing like a cartoony luigi voice so it's not quite the same but he does have that range and definitely charlie has moments of very manic behavior and that's when that voice comes out the most so uh back at the pub you know, Dee is trying to tell Dennis about this dream that she had. Dennis is not really interested. And that's another recurring thing, too, really. A lot of times, Dee, when she's trying to tell the guy something, they have no interest at all. They're very quick to dismiss her. She's uh, clearly at the bottom of the totem pole. Ba- yeah, basically. Right off the bat, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, always been that way. Like, that is the status of this of this group. So uh, then, you know, Terrell arrives. And, you know, like, Dee tries to give him a hug. He's not really interested. But, you know, Terrell does want to give Dennis a bit of a hug, you know, a little more affection with him. Dennis is a little uncomfortable. But, yeah, he basically wants to show them something outside, and then there's a huge crowd. He has successfully managed to bring, a, to bring a big group of people to the pub. So, you know, now all of a sudden we see that the pub is is packed, full with all these different people. You know, they're, they're very busy. So it seems like Terrell did his job until the gang realizes that, you know, all these patrons are men. And uh, Dennis also is quick to discover that they all have eyes for him. You know, they don't really want D to serve them. They all just want. He's getting the tips. They all just want Dennis really to serve them drinks and and so they can flirt with him. Right. Uh, So they're not really catching on to what's going on here until uh, Mac and Charlie spot a cousin of Mac's. So they they go up to him and he tells them like, oh, yeah, you guys like you're running the hottest gay bar in Philly. And, uh, yeah, they, they don't know really how to process that information right away. But that is that is our act break. So that is that is the catch here, right? So often in this show, that's uh, where we leave off for these sort of commercial breaks is, you know, a little, little bit of a twist in what these characters are expecting. What in the hell is your problem? How could you not tell me you were gay? I'm a musical theater actor living in Philadelphia. I didn't think it was that big a secret. People have been coming on to you for, like, weeks now. Just thought you were in the gay dudes. I am not in the gay dudes. Apparently you are. Okay, well, you know what? The guys hired you to promote their bar and you turned it into a gay bar. They are not happy. But you know, is that so bad <laughs> to be running a gay bar? Well, we'll see. The characters are gonna debate that. And that's another good thing about this uh, dynamic. Even without uh, Danny DeVito, Frank's character, they all kind of represent the four corners of a like a like a like when this whenever the gang debates on something like I'm always thinking like evolution or something you have either two on each side or they're all they all have different things it allows like how many fights have we enjoyed oh yeah like 
they're they're it's never the case where they're all on the same side about something. You're right. There's usually two versus two, or maybe they're all opposing each other in different ways. But it's all derived from totally selfish motivations, as as we'll see. So as we come from the act break, we're at Terrell's apartment. Actually, D shows up, tries to forcibly kiss him. He has to shove her off, and she confronts him about being gay. Like she she was reading into that as something more romantic, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'm in musical theater. I'm, I'm an actor. You know, I thought it was obvious." <laughs> A little bit of stereotyping, but at the same time, D probably should have read into the signs that he was. I not thought you were interested. into gay dudes. He's like, I'm not. <laughs> well, I, you are. <laughs> Clearly, you are. Uh, but yeah, Dennis is. Uh, sorry, D. D's going to warn Terrell that the guys are not going to be happy about the pub being turned into a gay bar. Although for the time being, we get a quick shot of Dennis and Charlie, pretty excited about all the money they made, ca- uh, counting up all that cash. Ooh. Money can change a lot of opinions. Oh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I think in the show, there are times where you get very quick shots of something someone's doing in another scene, which is very effectively funny. Uh, so now you know, we're at this uh, outdoor restaurant, and this is kind of like the, the big debate, right? This is something you get almost in every episode. And in, in this debate, it's whether or not the pub should cater to, to gay men. Uh, and you know, Dennis and Charlie, they're in favor of this. But for a couple different reasons, I think Charlie is the most pragmatic of all of them. You know, it's like this—it's making us money, right? Like, what else do you need? Dennis, yeah, you know, he's coming from a, a bit more of a of a vain perspective. Yeah, he's he's getting a lot of the tips, but he's definitely enjoying a lot of the compliments he's getting from these gay men. You know, that's... Dennis is a golden god. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's <laughs> that's how he views himself. Like, it, like of course, like yeah, make it a gay bar. He, like he's getting compliments and and. Probably twenties, tens, like oh yeah. At any time that Dennis's ego is stroked, especially for his his physical appearance, he's definitely going to revel in that and uh, take things a little too far. You know, Mac indeed they're against the idea. You know, they're on the opposing side, and I think both for jealousy, right? I think Mac is just confused. He doesn't understand why Dennis is so popular. With all these gay men, he doesn't understand why Charlie is so popular with black women. <laughs> you know, that's his words. Uh, and then D also, she feels very left out, right? Especially because Terrell is giving the attention she wants to to Dennis. It's funny who we get to know who Mac is, like his upbringing, his his like self, like trying to run away from his homosexuality, and also his like his religious beliefs. But right, yeah, at I, the time, it, yeah. no, it's like oh. Charlie, everyone likes Charlie, everyone likes Dennis, but no one likes me. That, no, the club, no, we're going back to the way things were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think for Mac, it's interesting. If this uh, story had been done just maybe one season later or a couple seasons later, Mac would be opposed to catering to gay men for religious reasons. Or he would he would say that, right? He would hide behind yeah. the, the, Catholic myth, uh, you know, the Catholic rules for that. Because that's a big part of him later on. You know, I, I, I love another classic moment of the show is uh, the evolution debate. And Mac is uh, obviously doesn't believe in evolution. That's a big thing for him. Uh, so, you know, now we have a vote, right? The, the gang, they're going to vote on whether or not to go forward with this strategy. Uh, but before they do, they tell Dee that she cannot vote. She is not an owner of the bar. She, her vote will be discounted. So that allows Charlie and Dennis to outnumber Mac two to one. The bar will proceed catering to the gay crowd. It's a good conversation to really like 
this is who the characters are. Right, and I, we see this in a, a, few, a lot of other times where they'll discount each other, especially D. Right, she's usually the person whose opinion is taken the least seriously. And I can think of a few other episodes where they want to vote on resolving their issues, and they're playing politics with each other, and you know, very quick to manipulate and kind of maybe even go back on their supposed again convictions to uh, achieve what they want in the moment. Right. Like at, at no point do they really stand by whatever they had said, maybe just even a few minutes ago. And it's good to at least with a I think Caitlin Olson, if anyone who deserved this show, at least deserves some nominations. But if any of the actors deserved a nomination, it's Caitlin Olson. What she has done with D has been like there's some episodes that I like when she like wants to get back at an, at an ex-boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. The the guy who was in. The, the who's a stripper are you thinking of that episode yes. oh like, man I, I think that i think that's but it, uh in this episode and in the first season really she's kind of portrayed as like the sane one in the room like she has her she's the one who kind of calls out like oh yeah dennis you're you're such a selfish vain asshole like it's she's kind of the level-headed but as the show would go on she's manic selfish she's like she's just as bad as the rest of them but she's very no. prone to rage. In fact, I think she's maybe more prone to rage more than all the other characters. She has a great yell. She, she has a great yell. She gets yell. more angry. In fact, I think there's an episode where they're on a cruise and they all succumb to one of the seven deadly sins and she succumbs to wrath. That's her biggest thing. And I agree. In the earlier episodes, though, I think quite often she's a victim of the schemes that the, uh, the other characters – just to mess with her, right? I think Dennis especially loves to just mess with her. And that derails a lot of the things she's trying to do. Uh, so now we get a quick scene here uh, where Charlie is taking out Janelle on a date. And so he brings her to a coffee shop. Uh, not just any coffee shop. It's the one the waitress works at. And, uh, yeah, he's very transparent here. right? He's kind of even just ignoring Janelle. She's like, yeah, I don't really drink coffee. And he's like, yeah, great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Definitely doesn't really have any interest in her. So yeah, he goes up to the waitress and he's telling her, like, hey, look, look at my date. See, not so racist after all. And, uh, you know, she she's like, listen, Charlie, I still don't want to go out with you. She's very impatient with him. They get into an argument. Janelle comes up. He's like, hey, what's going on here? And the waitress basically just spells out the whole situation. You know, like, Charlie's just using you to make it look like he's not racist. And uh, the next thing we see is later on the pub and Charlie has an ice pack on his eye because uh, Janelle gave him a punch right there, right in the eye. For what he was doing deservedly so that's a pretty screwed up thing to do it's amazing and we kind of mentioned it before but this show is very good with like like we've seen a lot of these kind of sitcom techniques these editing techniques these sec uh like the setups for jokes but the the execution and the reasons why are so it can only happen in philadelphia or at least it can always happen in always sunny like yeah it's like yeah and they, the they take <laughs> advantage too of the single camp format probably best of all the shows that we've talked about. The, you know, the quick cuts, also the use uh, in, in other episodes of uh, like camcorder footage, right? right? Like, or, like I love when maybe like D does a reel and it's you know some footage of her doing the pyramid scheme, things like that. They, they use a lot of very like funny editing and uh, I don't know, like just, just things you obviously never find in a multi-camera multi sitcom format. Uh, and it, but you'll only find you'll only find it when because like a quick cut to having him having a black eye is to convince 
the waitress that he's not racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that can only happen in this show. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a really effective laugh, uh, or a really effective moment there with that quick cut. I mean, also, this show should mention, too, a lot of times the joke is just the name of the episode. I don't know too many of the shows that do that, where you have your, your cold open, and the capper of that cold open is the title. Right. Like um, I remember one where the guys are going to try to film things around the, the city and Dee's like, you know, I don't like the sound of this. They're like, hey, what's the worst that can go wrong? And then the title cuts and it's uh, Frank sets Sweet D on fire. <laughs> right. Like that's probably like uh, by like a more textbook example of that. But, you know, like. I don't know. There's no other show that does that. It, it's no. Yeah. Or it, it, like it's stuff. It's the setups we've seen before, but the execution can only be done on this show. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it works so so often, so many times. Okay, so what? So I think I know how we can solve this whole gay mess. Great, how? Okay, first we gotta start with Dennis. Can you get him so drunk tonight on tequila, but like a lot of it, enough that maybe he might hurt himself? Yeah, sure, no problem. All right. Where you going? I gotta talk to a couple of friends from my acting class, but seriously, blackout drunk. Yeah, again, we're we're now at the pub. D is tending to Charlie's uh, black eye, and the the pub is busy again with all these gay customers. Dennis is actually kind of bringing it to a whole other level. He's almost kind of acting like a gay bartender in a way. He's sort of dancing. He's wearing a tighter shirt. You know, he's he's really going over the top now to try to milk this attention and get more tips. And it's making Mac very, very annoyed. So. Uh, you have Mac and Dee, they go to the back office. Dee tells Mac, like, listen, I know this Janelle girl. This is Terrell's sister. And so now, like, they're they're both fed up with Charlie and, and Dennis, and they're going to get a little revenge. So Dee tells Mac, get Dennis blackout drunk, whatever you do. Well, in the meantime, she's going to go get some of her acting friends to help with this sort of scheme that she's cooking up to get back at Dennis. So we see later on, you know, Mac successfully getting Dennis drunk. Yeah, pretending to not know how to do a tequila shot and you know, forcing Dennis to show him over and over again until he, until he passes out. They're not good friends either. Like, oh, we got to no, teach our no. friends a lesson. No. They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're the gang, but they do things to each other that if anyone else in any other situation, it would be the end of that friendship for sure. Yeah, the, basically. The <laughs> so, you know, Dennis passes out here and he wakes up the next morning in bed next to what he thinks is a woman but it turns out to be a man in a wig so he's very shocked by this he's he's freaking out and uh, then another man but a very large man comes out from behind him slaps his how's butt. that ass feel uh, yeah yeah so clearly uh yeah, dennis was roped into something he was not expecting or wanting he's very now confused and upset so we get this uh last scene here really before the end of the episode dennis comes into the pub clearly very upset and, and bothered and mac is reading into this he's very pleased <laughs> the way mac reads into it though it's like oh you, like you've experimented and even dennis is like why are you saying it like that <laughs> yeah yeah he keeps saying like yes we've, we're done experimenting right dennis you've experimented and now you know <laughs> do you want to keep experimenting and so dennis is very suspicious about this but yeah, at this point mac is under the impression that dennis was just tricked into thinking he had sex with two men, right? Is that what he's led yeah. to believe? Is, like, I, that those two yes. that those two people he woke up with 
we're just actors. Okay, that's what Mac believes. So, yeah, Terrell comes in trying to give a little more advice on how to spruce up the bar. But, you know, at this point, Dennis has had a change of heart, fires Terrell. And, uh, you know, Terrell just wants to understand, like, what, why? Like, I, I don't get it. Things were going well. And at that point, D enters with Janelle. Charlie sees Janelle and he, he calls her a crazy bitch, which upsets Terrell. He goes, hey, like, that's my sister. And again, that comes up again. Mac is like, wait a minute, like, your sister? Or he's like, yes, my sister. And at this point, Mac feels a little vindicated. Yeah, he's telling Terrell, like, yo, you know, earlier you got mad at me because you, you know, for thinking that all black people are related, yet here you two are related. You people are related. That's what he's quoting. And uh, the use of you people does not go over very well either. So Mac continues. Never to, does. Continues <laughs> to dig himself a hole here. He doesn't want to be racist, but he is. Well, you know, it, it's like one of those things where the less you say, the better. And you know, Mac uh, continues to say all the wrong, all the wrong things. And that's kind of where we leave off is this very awkward moment here. And we get one last act break in this sort of you know, epilogue scene here. D and Mac are counting their money. And Dee reveals that she never got in touch with her acting friends. And uh, Mac is very confused by this. And so this, I guess, reveals that Dennis really did have sex with those two guys. And we get one last shot uh, uh, going back to that same shot of Dennis getting his ass slapped by that giant guy. And uh, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the pilot. Holy that's crap. The, that, that is the end. Now, just to clarify, when you say sister, you mean... I mean my sister. Yes! Okay, this is great. Because earlier, you were implying that I was racist because you thought that I was implying that all black people are related. And then it turns out that you people actually are. No, that's not what I meant. Hold on a second. I meant that you two actually are. Mac? Stop talking. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like not a very clean ending, but that's kind of the idea. It just sort of ends with things having gone bad to worse. And, yeah, the end, it's always sunny, and you get that uh, very recognizable music again. I feel like the 100 or the 1 million, uh, 1.42 million, I should say, I feel like when they first watched this episode, it's like finding treasure. Because it's like, you know, you're the only few people in the country who discovered this little gem of a show because you're like, you know, oh, another sitcom. What, what, what's the show about? And then you're like, like, it, it goes there. Like, I, it, and you're just like, oh, wow. And it's very, it's funny. It's well-written. The characters are, I'm not going to say fully realized because as like, I've said before, like we will see who they become, but they're characters. Like they like we get to know the, who they are and what the, where they kind of stand. We get a very good sense of what they're capable of, the sort of things they're willing to do to each other, and also the way they handle certain situations. Right, like they're they're very much willing to get revenge for just little things, like just because they were annoyed at Dennis for for how he was taking advantage of the gay customers. They basically force him into this uh sexual encounter that he would not have otherwise consented to which is like really dark like that's really messed up but that is that is the first episode and 
we, we would see obviously like even worse much much worse accident the dentist system oh my gosh yeah the dentist system that's like such an iconic episode and again really screwed up and uh, the kind of ways that they treat other people is very very deranged to say the least but it's it's very impressive the way that it's all still handled very comedically it's not easy to do it has it's it's hand like it's handled like a sitcom it, it, like it like it is a sitcom in every true sense it's, it's not trying to be like a it's not trying to be like a modern day sitcom it's not trying to be like ted lasso or the bear if you if you like i'm just going because they're half hour 40 minutes but you know they had uh they've had a clip show and they did something very clever with that clip show like they do they do one or two uh a and b plots that kind of come together at the end yeah, it's structurally like, it's, yeah you're right structurally there are some familiar setups it's just the actual what you what you fill into those structures is something much more unique and you never know, see on any other um definitely never on a network but yeah, yeah like oh this like they will tackle topics like dumpster babies abortion gun rights uh, gun like basically nothing like january 6th but like, a lot of times <laughs> it's like they don't even really take a side in a lot of those issues a lot of times they really just show the absurdity of the whole thing yes right i think in that in like uh in that gun rights episode i'm thinking of it's they kind of show the insanity from both sides and how really a person like Frank is someone who's just there to take advantage monetarily of the whole thing. That's really the root cause of all the issues, right? Sometimes they have like a little, I want to say uh, a little bit of interesting commentary on the whole thing without necessarily saying like who they're siding with, if anyone at all. Like the, like the gang solves the gas crisis. It's like, Oh, they're, you know, we were going through a, I can't remember what year that episode came, but like, I think 2008, I, I think. Yeah, I think Bush was the president, uh, George W. Right. And end of his uh, end of. And the way they solve it is completely just in their selfish interest. Like they don't like it's and not it makes no to, sense. It's not trying it to makes... make a yeah, it's not trying to make a statement. It's just taking, you know, they're looking out the window of society and just trying to how these characters would react in it. Right. And, you know, it doesn't even really date the show. Because it's it's like oh right like that was an issue at the time like the gas crisis but it's it's something that's still universally funny because we remember that but the kind of things they like the jokes are still timeless I would say but it's it's again it's funny it's kind of like how would these deprived characters try to exploit all these different issues that is the angle right it's not necessarily to say you know what side of the aisle they're on they're not really on any because they don't really have any scruples or values they're just they're going to pretend to take whatever side they think is most either monetarily advantageous or you know, whatever other thing they're trying to, you know, it, for like for Dennis, right? Like he's just really yeah. trying to improve his ego or to, to get with the woman and so forth. Right. So uh, that's, that's really what it breaks down to is them just exploiting things, but really the schemes very often have no logic to them at all. Like like the gas no. like the gas scheme like they they buy a ton of gas and they plan to sell it at uh, a profit <laughs> but as they quickly figure out that that is uh, that's not going to work out and like or like one usually something like something or other gets in the way like uh, 
I'm trying to think when Mac tries to sell, like they tried to start their own gym and Mac creates the uh, like invitations and they basically are a giant penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like they, they get in their own way or sometimes usually either Frank or Charlie will do something to blow everything up. Right. It's the wild cards, per se. Uh, so, yeah, that just, it never gets old because they never really run out of really wild schemes to tackle. But if you think about it, and I just remembered, it's a show in the modern era that has ca- characters going blackface and everybody laughed. Like, people did not raise a fuck. Uh, 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 they didn't raise a. People. People laugh. They like no one had to apologize. Like it, and it worked because it's, these characters are just recreating like Lethal Weapon, right? Well, you never really see a movement or an article calling for this show to be canceled or to be boycotted because it's kind of just understood. It's like the South Park thing with Cartman. They're doing offensive things, but within the context of a show that recognizes that they're terrible people, and if anything, that sort of alleviates. A lot of that, you know, a, a lot of that subject matter for for more comedic value. So yeah, it's uh, unfortunate though because those episodes you mentioned, like the Lethal Weapon episodes, those were taken down from Hulu. You can't watch them anymore. And again, because on the surface level, yes, like blackface is very very offensive. Uh, but you know, context is important too. And if you want to make fun of characters who don't recognize they're being offensive, that's something I think that you should be able to do. But yeah, I guess sometimes in this day and age, it's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, no, I like they've done like three of those, and it's <laughs> like it's it. I don't know. It's the fact that I don't know. It's, there's something special about a show. It's not that they can. It's not them doing blackface is special. It's just like a show that can and that people can laugh at, like at these the ridiculousness of these well, characters. You keep telling yourself as a viewer. Like, how far will they go? Like, how stupid can these characters possibly be? It's like, oh, no, like, they'll get even dumber. Like, just you wait. We'll find even more insane ways for these characters to be dumb and to dig themselves a hole. That's uh, amazing. After all these years, that's that's amazing. And, and like I said, there are people still going like, oh, this season of Sunny was great. And I, it's, a, it's amazing how I, – I could say this as a fan. Like, and I, and with a show that has gone on – long i i think of like south park and i know that's a cartoon but we've seen the evolution of south park and the rise of like where matt and trey were at in their lives like when they became fathers how the show maybe transitioned from more from stan to randy but yeah you gotta get more eras of shows that have lasted this long you can kind of pinpoint groups of seasons that reflect maybe like you said what the the actors or the creators were doing in terms of their personal lives or other endeavors or just Dennis left right yeah Dennis there's left a whole season do, that uh, AP bio right yeah. a whole season that he's pretty much absent very little presence in but then anyway, he comes back and you know it's the show didn't really feel quite the same without him exactly like and and they I think they will acknowledge that but and I'm sure there's I I, I can't remember exactly what they did but actually no the episode where Mac officially came out i think was that season and i remember going like oh wow that's a beautiful moment of television like he does this dance yeah this it was a little more it was, it was a little more serious than the show is yeah. normally used to but then there's also the episode where he kind of comes out almost surprisingly in that litigation 
episode over the lottery ticket. I think that's when he comes that's out to the other. That's great. Because that's the other characters. Episode. And it has this very surprising ending there where he finally admits to it. But again, it was like and a they really, know. It, a lot of the jokes up to that point were funny with his very obvious uh, you know, obvious signs, but his refusal to acknowledge it. You know, but it's 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 good that the show eventually realizes, okay, we've taken that gag as far as we can. Let's now move on to you know, uh, the character transitioning. Because, yeah, like there's other major plot points, too, that affect the show, like when their apartment burns down or you know so, something like that. Yes. The, the other recurring themes of the show that carry on with the continuity, like uh, Rickety Cricket's very sad deterioration or oh you know, when god D, yeah but when d gets pregnant you know there are certain things that maybe have more season spanning arcs and fat mac right yeah yeah where he, he and buff the, mac the actor like you know rob mcclain he gained all that weight for that season then he worked out for the other season so yeah, he's willing to put his own body uh, through all these different phases too for for the show uh, that's so. amazing that a live action sitcom has hit that's not like a soap opera, a reality show, or an anim- animated show that, it, that that hit eras. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, I guess that's bound to happen when you've been making the show for so long. Yeah, at one point, I, I saw an interview of Charlie Day years ago, and this is maybe like almost 10 years ago maybe, and he was saying like, you know, I, I'm not sure if FX still knows we're making the show at this point. Like we're, we're doing it. And now they're on FXX. I think they've been on FXX since like the mid-2010s uh, just because I think the, the the network group is putting more of the comedies on that network and FX has more of the dramas. But still, yeah, they're they're still chugging along. And it's, it's, it's really, uh, yeah, as fans of the show, it's great to see that, yeah, they have this, and the network is still giving them that wide creative freedom to do what they want. Uh, and I think it's really a show that's reflective, too, of this, that, that rise of the cable television era. Because, yeah, how many great shows have come from, from FX and you know similar other networks like AMC? This was part of that first wave that we mentioned before, and really indicative of the transition to more alternative content that viewers had been wanting and it's that's that's the reason why we want to save this show for for last in the 2000 sitcom top uh genre that we were tackling because it's it's really i think uh a show that was honestly maybe not necessarily ahead of its time but was really indicative of where the television landscape was heading it's not that it, i i fully agree it's not that it was ahead of its time but i think because of the subject matter and the network that it was on and the kind of characters that, that they are, it took what we all knew was the sitcom format and just expanded it a little. It, sh- it showed that other shows uh, and other small networks, maybe like Comedy Central or uh, HBO, Showtime, although anything that wasn't a network can just... It's not how it's not the subject matter itself that it's how you talk about it that can be funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And their their willingness on this show to really tackle any subject and to find comedic opportunities in almost any subject is admirable too. Because they do a lot of things that uh, I, I'm sure a lot of other networks would be very afraid and would immediately shut down if if it was proposed. Uh, so 
you know, it's just really, really cool to, to look back at all the shows that we've talked about. And yeah, you know, the 2000s is such an interesting time to look at for the transition of content to what we have now. You know, really getting things that you didn't think was possible beforehand, uh, given, you know, like what we had seen in, in the 90s span of, of shows. You maybe got a sense of things maybe getting a little more crass, but I, I don't think many people had expected things to get as crass as you would see in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it, even in terms of the visuals, right? I I mentioned the episode kind of ends very loosely, almost, I don't want to say messy, but that's intentional. So much of the show feels organic because at times it doesn't even feel that scripted. It just kind of feels like, like just wherever the characters would go, you go. And if it ends sort of in this chaotic way, then that's just how it is. And uh, that's why so many times the episodes are hard to predict. That, if you ever want to treat yourself, the bloopers are on YouTube and they are hilarious. I like it's just like it, like watching them, especially when they're yelling and just trying to get into this like like Dennis or D like just I will throw you into a coffin and like it just I love the sudden bursts of the sudden bursts of rage really get me too. Like there's one moment when. D and Dennis are talking and it's becoming clear that Dennis may have murdered somebody and he has a line where he's like like you haven't thought of the smell you bitch like he just loses it in the middle of this conversation he's totally unfazed by the fact that D is becoming suspicious that he's committed murder basically but the this like the sudden rage that comes out unexpectedly really gets me too uh so that's that's always sunny, man. It's a show that continues to surprise people after all these years. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's but. the only show still going. I yeah that that we've covered in the two thousand. That's yeah. Now there's some other <laughs> shows that we didn't really get to yet, but we figured that they could be in other series that we'll cover. For example, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm. We've mentioned a few times. We're gonna be saving that for an upcoming series of podcast episodes on uh, HBO pilots. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I think I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention Scrubs. I think we might want to save that for a series of hospital shows because they're mostly dramas, but I don't know, save a comedy in there in the middle to uh, alleviate a little bit of that. Lighten things up a little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, man, it's been a, another great series that we've, that we've covered. Very glad oh my to God. get yeah, through no, I, one of these. I, it's... I could say uh, I I watched um, Arrested Development up to season three, and I'm like I like having How I Met Your Mother on in the background. Like I hope I think a good goal of this pilot is one we get to talk about our love of television, but also I do hope other people get like inspired to watch any of the shows that we talk about because yeah. there's some hidden gems in there, and it's. It's nice to see some, you know, you may you may not appreciate the shows at the time, maybe because you were young or just busy or whatever. But it's, it's nice to go back. Uh, it's nice to discover a new show. It really is, especially if it's a show that if you do really enjoy it, now you have its entirety to, to get through. Like I am with Malcolm in the Middle, right? Like you have with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm still going with Buffy. Very I'm nice. Still going. I love yeah. that a lot. And and also, yeah, with this show that I've I've obviously seen so many episodes of It's Always Sunny over and over again, 
But I, I kind of have an appreciation for this first episode. It's kind of like with Seinfeld. You don't really go back to the early episodes maybe as much, but they're, they can still be just as funny. And it's also kind of cool to see them when they're so much younger than you're used to in the middler seasons. Uh, but, okay, so we have uh, one more episode for the end of the year. It's end of this- the year, wow. Yeah, we're, we're just about there. It's the holidays coming up. Or basically, we're in the holiday season, right? At this point, we're releasing the episode. It's late December. So we thought we'd give it a little treat uh, and do a little holiday bonus. And that would be for actually a pilot that did not get the green light. It's a, it's a, it's a pilot that unfortunately did not, well, maybe fortunately, <laughs> did not go on to have a full series. One of the most infamous failed pilots, I would say. And that is one from 1990 called Puchinski. We'll be covering that next week. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this failed pilot. It's on YouTube. Please, please watch it. I, it's like, on. It is, it, was it's it 20 amazing. minutes? Yeah, it's a it's standard like 20, 22 minute. It is I, – I, I can't wait to rewatch it because I remember the first time when you showed it to me and how all – like it's the best thing. It's like it's it's the best thing I've ever seen. It's something you have to see to believe. You could yeah. There's also the trailer. Maybe watch that first, which is also funny. But yeah, check out check out the pilot Superchinsky. We'll be discussing that next week. We'll probably be saving these uh, one-off failed pilots for these sort of uh, occasions. These like holiday. Oh events. my god! Cannot wait. So uh, I'll catch you then at the next pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, at Take Us to the Pilot. That's Take Us to the Pilot with the number two. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day.